Welcome to the College Football Bros. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin for a month. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who could throw the football a quarter mile. That would be me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who could throw a football over the mountains. Heck yeah, I can. It's Trey Newman. All right. In this episode, we are going to go through every Power 5 conference uh, and the G5 and Independence, and we're going to rank the projected starting quarterbacks. Uh, if you're listening to this episode rather than watching them on YouTube, just keep in mind there could be some awkward cuts between each conference uh, because we're recording them uh, for YouTube separately and then kind of combining the audio for this for this podcast. So bear with us there, but they shouldn't be too awkward of cuts because we are the utmost professional. All right, in this episode, I am going to rank the projected starters in the ACC at quarterback. Let's get right Will into do. it. Uh, all right. Number 14, dead last here, uh, from Duke, Gunnar Holmberg. So what are you, what are you thinking putting him last? Which, you know, <laughs> no big disagreement, but yeah, he's not even, he's not a lock to start, but he is the favorite there. Um, and Duke's quarterback play has just been pretty bad, uh, recently. Even Daniel Jones didn't put up great numbers and he's, of course, a high NFL draft pick. So, uh, I'm not expecting much from Holmberg. He's a junior with 25 career pass attempts. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's a just we haven't seen him. We don't know. So that's for me why he's he's 14th. Yep. Moving on to one that might raise a few eyebrows. Number 13, you have Kenny Pickett of Pitt. Yeah, I think this one is going to be controversial because people often praise his tools and talk about him as a an NFL prospect, which may be the case, but. He's been the starter at Pitt for three years, and their pass offense has been consistently bad. Um, he's had 13 touchdowns and nine interceptions each of the past two seasons. He's not efficient. Um, I thought Mark Whipple coming in as the offensive coordinator might uh, might help things, but at least so far, it, you know, the stats have still been fairly inefficient. So I could see having him a few slots higher, but I don't think 13th is is crazy just given the three year track record. Yeah, it kind of is who he is at this point. Uh, all right, moving on here to number 12, you had, uh, Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech. So, uh, based off of the, uh, ranking here, maybe you're not expecting a huge, uh, sophomore leap from him. I mean, but I, th- I think I kind of am expecting a sophomore link leap. I think it just speaks more to the depth of quarterbacks in the ACC. Like there's just a bunch of guys that have kind of proven to be decent or pretty good, um, ahead of him. Um, and, and last year, I, you know, was bad overall, like statistically 55% completions through way too many interceptions, but there are great excuses for it. He was, like I said, he was a true freshman, um, which in a COVID off season, having to learn the playbook and get thrown to the wolves right away, that is very tough and thrown to the wolves because Georgia tech is still in the midst of that transition to a more, you know, normal spread offense. So not a great situation at all to be put in. I thought, considering that, it was fine, and he showed flashes. I think he could make a big jump this year. If he makes like a gigantic leap, then then 12 will be low. But even a leap to you know, 11, 12, I think, would be a, a nice step in his sophomore year. Agreed. All right, moving on to number 11, you have Brennan Armstrong for the Wahoos of Virginia. 
Yeah. Um, he was solid last year when healthy. He's, uh, he's a good runner. He's no Jeff Sims, I don't think, in, in that department, but he's definitely very capable. Um, and the passing stats were decent. The big issue with him is, is ball security. He had one of the highest inter- interception rates in the conference last year, so he'll need to be better there. Um, but if he cleans that up, then 11th could end up being a little bit too low. All right, let's move on to uh, their rivals. Uh, Virginia Tech's Braxton Burmeister you have at 10th. Yeah, I feel like just saying that name, Braxton Burmeister, almost just it <laughs> sounds like he's bad. But I, and so Virginia fans, I think, are not going to like the fact that I have him ahead of, of Brennan Armstrong. And I get that, but um, he's so he's only had 85 uh, pass attempts last year, you know, partially because of, of injury. So he's, he's really proven nothing since transferring from Oregon. But um, he is, again, a solid runner. That feels like a, a theme here. But I just this is kind of a belief in Justin Fuente. He generally gets solid quarterback play. Um, he liked Burmeister enough to start him over Hendon Hooker at the beginning of last year. Yeah. I mean, I disagreed with that. It looks yeah. bad in hindsight, but still, I, I think he has the, some, some belief in Burmeister. And at the end of the season, he had a couple nice showings, uh, against Clemson and Virginia fans remember, uh, against them. So I'm slightly optimistic about it. Yep. Number nine, you have Tommy DeVito of Syracuse, kind of a guy a couple years ago we probably thought might even be higher on this list. Yeah, I think, and I think I'm probably higher on him than, than most people would, would have him here. He's, and he's the favorite. He's also not guaranteed to start. They did add Garrett Schrader, a transfer from Mississippi State, but yeah, I think DeVito's pretty good. He's, he's been behind some really bad O lines, especially last year. It was just awful. That's what got him hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in 2019, he had 19 touchdowns to five picks, 63% completion, seven yards per attempt. Like, Considering the situations he's been put in, I think he's he's done pretty well for for what's you know like I said for the situation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, move on on here to uh, number eight. We haven't seen this kid for a couple years. Uh, Mackenzie Milton now surfacing at Florida State. Yeah, he is of course the very likely starter, but I would expect Jordan Travis to get some snaps as a, a change of pace as well. Milton is is tough to rank because, of course, he led UCF to two undefeated seasons, then had that horrific leg injury. He's been sitting out the last couple of years. I I feel like no one's going to really yell at me for this ranking. Like, I acknowledge if he's back to himself, then he would be, whatever, second or third on this list or challenging for number one. But you just don't know if he is back to himself. So I kind of have him yeah. behind. You'll see when we get to this top seven. It's a really good top seven, so it's not that much of an insult to... Just slot him in right behind them. Yep. I hope he has a kind of Alex Smith type year bounce back. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Number seven, you have Sam Hartman from Wake. Yeah, he ended the season horribly last year. It was He had that big, long streak uh, without interceptions, and then the final game or two, especially that bowl game, was was bad. Yeah. But, but still, overall, a solid year. Um, and he's got a really, really good receiving core, arguably the best in the ACC, certainly up there. Um, but I don't know. I guess I'm not – I still have him seventh because their passing success rate was middle of the pack in the ACC last year. Um, they did have a lot of explosive plays. I don't. That's something that kind of has a lot of variance from year to year. So if he's able to keep hitting on some of those deep balls and get a lot of – he gets a lot of yak from – particularly from um, Jaquari Roberson, but – um, yeah, I like Hartman, but I guess I don't 
love him. Fair. Fair. All right. Number six, we have uh, Devin Leary, uh, crosstown rival from Sam Hartman uh, at NC State. Yeah, he is an example of, of why it's never a good idea to um, give up on guys after their freshman year. I don't think anybody did, but he was a— I was a guilty. Force- oh, were you? Okay. I mean, I probably did too, honestly. I probably was down on him. I would but, never uh, do that. Yeah, of course. No, we learn doing these rankings every year that you just, you can't throw a yeah. guy in the, you know, away just after one bad year. But because last year came out of the gate in his sophomore year, really strong, eight touchdowns, two picks, 8.1 yards per attempt. The team was three and one. And then he broke his leg, unfortunately. But if he's back to, to full strength, um, and plays like he did to start last year, then I think this is a good spot for him. Yep. All right. Moving on. To Boston College's Phil Dracovic. I feel like there's a name that everyone will butcher. Yeah, I think you got it there. Um, Sounded good. Boston College was third in the ACC in passing success rate last year, only behind Clemson and North Carolina. So that's a pretty damn good start. And especially since he had just transferred from Notre Dame. So that's his first year with a whole new coaching staff, new offense. I think he'll take a, a jump forward this year. And he definitely has a chance to, uh, you know, this, I feel like this is almost his floor on the list. Fifth. I could see him rising for sure. Yeah. I like Dracovic. Um, all right. Moving on. Uh, number four, we have, uh, Malik Cunningham from Louisville. Yeah. So again, maybe I'm higher on him than most, but first off, he is a really good runner. So that, yeah. that is a, a trait that's going to be there. And he's got 9.4 yards per pass attempt in his career. He's been efficient throwing downfield, according to Pro Football Focus. So even though last year was a little bit of a down year, he threw too many picks. I still think he's good. And we'll see how, how the offense handles losing some of his top weapons. So that might be a little bit of a struggle. Um, so if he doesn't bounce back from last year, then maybe my optimism in him will be unfounded. But... I don't know. I just look at his career stats and and watching him play some of the electric plays he makes. I'm a fan. Yep. Moving on to number three. It's been Michael's favorite for what seems like 10 years now, but uh, Derek King of Miami. Yeah, he is. uh, He's awesome. We saw the insane numbers he put up at Houston transfers to Miami, which had been a struggling offense, not explosive at all. And he turned them into a pretty good offense along with Rhett Lashley's coaching. The big question is the health. He injured his ACL, tore his ACL at the end of last year. Um, so if you were healthy, I might have him second on this list. I just kind of docked him one, one spot for that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, all right, we're going to uh, number two, a guy who's only seen, seen him a couple of times here, uh, DJ Uyagale from Clemson. Yeah, he, uh, of course, a former five-star recruit, was a true freshman last year and came in to replace Trevor Lawrence in, in two starts against Boston College and Notre Dame. Played extremely well, um, especially you know up against a really tough Notre Dame defense. It wasn't his fault they lost the game. They put up a, a bunch of points, so... I just, what's not to like? He's just going to be the next in line with, you know, Deshaun Watts, well, Taj Boyd, Deshaun Watts, and Trevor Lawrence, all those guys. I feel like he's, he's just the next one. Yep, definitely set up for success there. And then number one, Sam Howell of North Carolina. Yeah, I have him first just because he's more proven than Uyunglele. He's 
been been the starter, of course, for for a couple of years now. Last year, 68% completions, 10.3 yards per attempt, 30 touchdowns, seven picks. He's got an argument for number one quarterback in the country. Yeah. We'll get to that, of course, in the last episode in this series. Um, the only question mark is they, the offense lost a ton of skill talent around him. I know we're we're kind of trying to separate the quarterbacks from their situation here and rank them in a vacuum, but it can be hard to do that sometimes. Um, but yeah, that's that's literally the only question mark is is just losing his top receivers. Pretty good list, I'll say, Michael. That was that wasn't you know I'm not I don't have any huge uh, kind of gripes, I guess. Uh, I mean, maybe my okay. biggest I mean, gripe. I, I'm just getting right to it. I'm not even letting you pros this question here. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> uh, I I would have Tommy DeVito a little higher. I'm I'm a DeVito guy. Uh, I just because of like you said, we're okay. trying to do it, rank these QBs in a vacuum, like trying to assess like hey the situations they're in 19 touchdowns five picks a couple years back to me was like Tua numbers from alabama just because of considering <laughs> what he had around him so um i think tommy devito is actually really good if you put him with what like so i think he should be ahead of i, I like him overall better than like maybe malik cunningham who has had really really good receivers and really really good explosive players around him um i think devito and that would have be like would be awesome so um i'd probably say devito might be my Maybe my biggest gripe, but uh, and you know, pretty good otherwise. I think if I had a gripe, and I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm maybe a little more bu- more bullish on him. And I think I think Jeff Sims has the most of the of the bottom half of the guys. I think he has the most upside, and you know, I don't really like guys kind of in that nine to fourteen range. I don't really see them moving much, except for him. I think he's the one that could could you know sneak into the top seven or something if they if he takes to the system and they they kind of the yellow jackets improve a little bit but but what was surprising overall though was i was just amazed that kind of that top half of the acc like one through eight is a very solid group i mean when you've got hartman and mckenzie milton as seven and eight or whatever that's a it's a pretty yeah, solid it's list a good, it's a good group it's a really good it's group. Great. Um, <laughs> no, I think, uh, I do. I think the ACC is in, I know this is the first conference we've done. Be sure to keep watching throughout the week, but they're in the running for the best group of quarterbacks. Like, this is a very, uh, impressive list. Like, I know I'm lower on Pickett than, than most. I had him 13th, so, but, but to have Kenny Pickett yeah, 13th shows you something. Three-year starter who's won some games, so. Yeah. Okay. It is day two of quarterback rankings week. Trey is going to give, his projected starters in the Big 12, and he's going to rank all of them. All righty. Dead last uh, <laughs> is Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. Trey, why wow. did you have him 10th? Wow. Dude, bold what's move. your problem? That's, that's bold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the real number 10 is Jason Bean from Kansas. Yeah, unfortunately, Kansas football is going to be on the bottom of uh, a lot of lists, but Lance Leopold comes in and he's got some options to sort through because Jason Bean is not guaranteed to be the starter. Uh, Jalen Daniels was a freshman last year. He was thrown to the fire. Miles Kendrick, he's athletic, uh, back for his senior year. But the new guy, Bean, he's a transfer from North Texas. He's young, a dual threat, averaged over six yards per carry last season. I feel like Leopold might want to start with some new blood in, in his regime. Set the bar low, you know, like try to, I mean, can't go much lower, I guess. Than, yeah. <laughs> Kansas already said it, but. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Number nine on your list is Jerry Bohannon of Baylor. Yeah. And Bohannon, you know, 
Charlie Brewer, we know he transferred out of Utah. And, and so Gary, he had some moments in the Big 12 title a couple of years ago. Um, and reports look Don't bring bad. that up, please. Uh, uh, yeah. Ryan, you were oh so close to the, the Big 12 champ there. Um, but reports were in camp that he looked better than Jacob Zeno and even Blake Shapin, uh, as spring ball progressed. Um, he's very mobile. Uh, he's a former four star. And I think that Baylor has a new offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes. He comes in from Utah. And I think just from the reading the tea leaves, it sounds like he might lean towards him from, from BYU, right? Oh, BYU. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. Charlie the Brewer transferred Utah. to Utah and yeah. Grimes comes in from BYU. A lot of cross town rival. Yeah. Uh, all right here. Let's move on to, uh, number eight. Uh, we have, uh, another transfer, uh, Tyler Shuck. He's transferred from Oregon to Texas Tech. So what are you seeing here on, on him, Trey? I'm just not overly high on him. I mean, Matt Wells desperately needs Shuck to help him out. Um, he has potential, but in his first year at Oregon, he would occasionally get benched. Um, he had some happy feet that led to turnovers. You know, even though, you know, that being said, even though it wasn't always pretty, he did lead the Ducks to a Pac-12 title. I know they kind of backdoored their way in, but he did. Uh, the problem is he's not, he, yeah, the problem is he won't have as much talent around him in Lubbock as he did in Eugene. So even if he stay, does take a step forward i mean maybe they could win a couple games but i'm just not expecting so much for him to you know get a little bit higher on this list yeah that's the question with him did were the stats a result of great talent around him or or not i guess we'll find out number seven on the list is skylar thompson from kansas state why'd you have him here yeah well he's He's the most experienced quarterback in the Big 12, so we kind of know what you're going to get, and it's not always that bad. I mean, Grant, he has led a, a couple upset wins over Oklahoma. Um, the challenge for him is he's coming off of a shoulder surgery this offseason, and Kansas State, as we saw at the very end of last year when he went down, they struggled pr- uh, pretty well, pretty mu- pretty big time offensively when freshman Will Howard was thrown in there. Um, but he was young, didn't have much experience around him. So it, it's still a battle between him and him and Howard, but I think Thompson has the credibility and he's proven clutch in the big games. Like I mentioned the Oklahoma games before and, um, he's, he does, he can fill the stat sheet both through the air and, and on the ground. Yep. Yes. I, I, there's been some good moments for him. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to number six here. We have, uh, Jarrett Dagey from, uh, West Virginia. Yeah. So keep in mind here for me, Kind of three through six was very difficult. I thought you could almost kind of flip a coin on some of these. So I, cause I like Jarrett Dagey. I, he just happened to kind of fall at six. Um, I was a fan of him, him at Bowling Green and I could see, easily see him finishing as a top three quarterback in the conference, but he's been, he, he really has been pretty efficient over the last four years. Looking at last year, he only threw one pick in his final six games. So if he continues to play up to that level or even improves, the Mountaineers have a chance to kind of be a, a dark horse Big 12 contender this year. Okay, moving on to number five from Oklahoma State. It is Spencer Sanders. He's, man, had his ups and downs. He has had his ups and downs, but just like kind of his, you know, his image or whatever his, his, uh, I guess like his, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say reputation. His reputation is, has taken a ding, but like just based on like kind of pure, 
you know, talent and upside, he's, he's, he'd be top two. He just hasn't quite lived up to that, that yet. Um, cause he is, he's physically gifted. He looks the part, but just hasn't quite lived up to that. So he's been a turnover machine. It's been well documented. He has 20 picks in 20 games, add on a few fumbles as well. You know, his great plays and there's a majority of them. But those those crippling interceptions or fumbles or turnovers that he has have cost Oklahoma State some games. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and that's why I'm putting him slightly higher over over Daggy. Um, he's got another chance to prove the doubters wrong, but you know it's kind of like this is this is it. Uh, he is the clear starter. He'll he'll be productive in Gundy's system, but he's just got to limit the turnovers. Um, if he does that, he will he could clearly move up on this list. Yeah, he's he's a tough one. He's for sure. Uh, all right, move on on to uh, number four uh, from TCU, Max Duggan. What do you think? Uh, putting him there, Trey? Yeah. I mean, we're getting even harder to to rank the next couple guys. Um, if someone had Duggan, maybe sixth or seventh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't maybe bat an eye, but I I think overall nationally, Duggan is a little bit underrated. Um, he can hurt defenses with both his arms and his legs. He's going into his third year in the program. He's shown improvement in each of the first two years. I just think he's kind of poised for, for a big, big season. Um, his passing prowess is still a little bit unknown just because they haven't thrown it as much as other schools in the conference. But when he did, he completed over 60% of his passes. His yards per attempt actually matched Brock Purdy, who's, we know, one of the best in the, in the conference. He only threw four picks. I think I think Duggan could easily become more of a household name, and I'm kind of banking on it by having him here uh, by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, going into last year, I would not have expected Max Duggan to be ahead of Spencer Sanders, but after 2021, I think it's fair. Uh, moving on to number three, you had Casey Thompson from Texas. Not a lot to go off of there, but pretty high. Yeah, this is probably one of the more controversial ones, uh, just because, like you said, he hasn't done anything yet. But uh, this is just a play for me on Steve Sarkeesian and the surrounding talent he has at his disposable, disposal. Uh, you know, he's not even guaranteed to be the starter. He's battling with Hudson Card. Um, I, really, I'm leaning to – I read a couple things that I'm also leaning to Thompson based on what I – uh, kind of saw with the, that big second half that he had in the Alamo Bowl when Ellinger left the game. Um, but you know, Card, totally viable, number two dual threat a couple years ago. So he's obviously no slouch. But either way, the Texas offense should be productive given, uh, some of the returning production with guys like Bijan Robinson, Joshua Moore. But I just think Sarkeesian has proven to get a lot of, a lot out of his offenses. I'm not expecting, you know, him to just, Thompson to just come in and match Ellinger. But there's no reason to think he can't be pretty dang productive. Yeah, I, I, I see the argument there. Um, all right, moving on to number two, we have uh, Brock Purdy from Iowa State. Don't yeah. say pretty good. Don't say pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. No, I mean, <laughs> what? There's a lot to like about Purdy. Of course, he's been super productive, kind of a, a program changer for Iowa State. Um, he was a play away, really, from. He kind of did make a boneheaded interception uh, in the Big 12 title last year, but I'll forgive him. He led them to a dominant uh, Fiesta Bowl victory. He was first in a lot of categories last year in the Big 12, including, including completions. Uh, he completed two-thirds of his passes, uh, eight and a half yards per attempt since he's been a Cyclone. Uh, he's, he's incredible. There's a lot of accolades. And then not to mention this year, 
he's got one of the best running backs in the country, Brees Hall, to take some of the pressure off him. That's going to open up more throwing lanes. And, of course, he's got one of the best tight ends in the country, Charlie Kohler, back. Um, he's had some brief moments of inconsistency, inconsistency, but overall his track record speaks for itself, and it's very impressive. Okay, moving on to probably the unanimous number one here. You have Spencer Rattler of Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, kind of the Heisman favorite. Hard not to have him number one. You know, last year he started off a little slow, but he matured quickly. Yeah. The Sooners rattled off eight eight wins in a row to end the season, including the Big 12 title and the Cotton Bowl. Um, he led the Big 12 in numerous statistical categories. Um, and you would think he would only continue to thrive in Lincoln Riley's system. And I think it's the first time Riley's going to have – the same starting quarterback two years in a row, which is kind of scary to think about. Uh, as and, the head coach, as, the as head. sorry, as the head coach, yeah. So yeah, uh, and he was he was tenth in the country in yards per attempt, threatened on the ground, like easy number one choice. Yep, no doubt about it. All right, so uh, let's get into our obviously sound off in the comments below, but uh, Ryan and I will give our thoughts here. I mean, overall, I don't have massive disagreements at all. Um, I think I might be like a little bit higher on Tyler Shuck than you are. Um, I know he had to transfer away and was, you know, maybe getting overtaken by Anthony Brown at Oregon, but I, I just, he put up some good numbers. So who Oregon. would you put him ahead of? Skylar Thompson? I would, I would Jared put him, actually, you know what, honestly, how about this? I would move Deggy down two spots. Whoa, maybe okay. I'd, sw- maybe I'd swap Shuck and Thompson, though I'm not as confident about that. I guess I'm not as high on Deggy. Yeah. Um, as you are like, I, I don't know. It just seems like that offense doesn't, he's not able to push the ball downfield at least, you yeah. know, yet. Yeah, Maybe they're not super explosive. I agree. Yeah. So I guess I would prefer like, especially Skylar Thompson. He's, he's proven, uh, I think as a, a solid player. And you, like you said, the offense cratered without him last year. I think that yeah. shows something. I, I'm okay with Tyler Shuck where he is. Um, I, I could see the argument, uh, but, but I would probably drop, uh, I'd probably just move Skylar Thompson up a couple spots. Really, I'd probably slide him ahead of Spencer Sanders, and then otherwise, I'm I'm pretty good. But I, you know, I like Skylar Thompson. I think, like you said, Mike, when he's when he's healthy, he's pretty good. Um, and he didn't necessarily have a ton of weapons around him. So, um, but again, not a huge grapes here. Um, but I just think he's been proven himself to be pretty darn good. Casey Thompson is kind of a you know just putting him straight up third is, he, is bold. Yeah. But you know. There's no like okay sure fire him. guys behind him, so I can kind of buy it. Yeah, I mean after after Rattler and Purdy at two, like yeah, there's a lot of guys you could make an argument for at three, and I think Casey Thompson's one of them. Yep, it's not yeah, like exactly. Duggan, you know, is some proven great efficient passer. You know, he's yeah, he, he's solid, but yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, there you have it, Trey. What do you think of the conference quarterbacks overall? As I mean, we haven't gone through the. We've only gone through the ACC so far, but what are your thoughts on the Big 12? I think it is pretty solid. I think it's very, I think it's pretty dang deep. I mean, the ACC was the, I thought ACC kind of had like the top heavy, uh, or at least the top half of it. it was a very good conference, but I think the Big 12 is a pretty, pretty deep, deep list. Yeah. I think, I think it's solid. Uh, but Ryan, let's get into your projected starters for the Big 10 and we will start with number 14, unfortunately. Peyton Thorne of Michigan State. Yeah, sorry, Sparty fans. Uh, it's tough, it's tough spot. Uh, yeah, so Peyton Thorne, um, 
leader in the clubhouse maybe at this point it's 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 between him and anthony russo the uh the temple transfer uh we'll see uh they there's been good things said about anthony russo on camp as well so mel tucker kind of seems to like him says he's got a lot of potential there but uh he didn't prove it on the field at temple i uh, threw uh quite a few picks there so i'm gonna say it's peyton thorne but we we, we only saw him uh not not a ton and when we did it was he kind of struggled. He did have one good game uh, against Penn State, um, but it's just in a tough spot. They uh, don't have a ton of supporting cast around him. Um, you know, now uh, it just seems like with between him, Anthony Rousseau, not a lot of talent. I'm not. I'm not confident in this this QB group right here. So, so I had to put him dead last. Yep, and we'll go to number thirteen, Ryan Helinski from Northwestern. They're going the transfer route again. Yeah, they're hoping to kind of they strike gold again uh, with like they did last year. Uh, but not, I don't well, think Peyton Ramsey. Oh, they struck gold at quarterback, but well, Peyton Ramsey was pretty. He was good. serviceable. No, I know, yeah, I know. I mean, okay, struck gold by Northwestern considering standards. considering what Johnson the year before. Yes, yeah, compared to Hunter Johnson. It. Yes, I, maybe I'm being harsh, guess, but I, I felt like it was more of a defensive effort. But no, you're right. Platinum yeah, compared to Hunter was. Johnson. All right, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hunter Johnson's still there. Maybe, but it's going to be Holinsky. It seems like, um, yeah. So we'll see if they can. I don't. I don't think he can. Uh, Ryan Holinsky can can replicate what uh, Peyton Ramsey did, though. Um, I just don't think that Holinsky. He was in a tough spot there at South Carolina, uh, but he just wasn't very good. Uh, you know, his numbers were really, really bad. I know. I, even even accounting for the tough situation he was in, so. With going to Northwestern where you're not going to have any any help, just seems tough. So um, it's going to be a very poor offense, and I don't think he's going to make it much better. All right, number 12, Brandon Peters from Illinois. Uh, feels like he's been been in our lives forever, back dating back to Michigan as well. He has. He has been around a while. Um, but if you just look over all his career, 53% career passer, 6.4 yards attempt, he's just not very good. Um you know, the, the only real, <laughs> the only real positive about him is he just doesn't throw many picks. Um, so he has a pretty solid TD to interception ratio, which yeah, I'll, I'll take it if you're some some folks, right? But um, just doesn't have very many explosive plays. Yet he actually has a. If you don't have explosive plays, you better have a high completion percentage. But he doesn't have explosive plays, and he's got a very low completion percentage. Not a good combo there. So uh, I, I'll give him credit. He did take Illinois to a bowl game a couple years back, but I think that's going to be the high point. All right, number eleven. This one might raise some eyebrows. Eyebrows. Yeah, uh, Graham Mertz of Wisconsin. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Raising my brow there. I like um, that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I okay. If you well, the, after the first game, of course, uh, that Friday night, uh, the first game of the year for them, that he just was perfect practically against Illinois, and we're like, uh oh, Wisconsin looks legit. After that, he was terrible. Like he was just. The last five games of the year, he threw just two touchdown passes and five picks, and just averaged well under 200 yards per game. They they couldn't really, th- they just couldn't throw. Um, you know, I know it's not always the QB's fault, but he was not good, and he held them back that offense last year. So I know they had some struggle times with COVID and whatnot, but he really struggled, man. Uh, so I, I'm not confident that he's all of a sudden just going to have a huge leap when you know you, you saw him with uh, out there quite a bit. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I have him 11. It's not like I'm dead last, uh, but he played almost like a dead last kid the last five games of the year. 
Wow. All right. Wisconsin fans watching, don't worry. I, I don't know if Trey will, but I'm going <laughs> to give him an earful at the end of this when Trey and I give our thoughts on this ranking. Uh, but number 10. How how do you justify his last five games? We're, we're going to get to it. I've got to keep the people. i get that watch time up. <laughs> Stick around, folks. Wisconsin fans. Right. I want to get to it. <laughs> A little teaser. Uh, number 10. Cade McNamara at Michigan. Yes, uh, he's in a battle with uh, most likely going to be Alan Bowman, uh, the Texas Trek transfer, transfer. So we don't. I'm not sure who's going to to win that battle yet. Um, but from Cade McNamara, <laughs> McNamara, um, he had one good game against Rutgers, and it's Rutgers. Uh, they were better. Rutgers was better. <laughs> still, still not great. Um, he threw for, but it wasn't even like a great game. Actually, he threw for 260 and four touchdowns, but it was just like 7.2 yards per attempt. It wasn't like he was just crushing them. I mean, it was a good game. It was a good game. Um, and then the next week against Penn State, he was just terrible, like absolutely bad. So, I, you know, I'm not sure which one he is. I think he's obviously, of course, those are two extremes, so he's going to be somewhere in the middle. But uh, I'm just not super confident on him and what we've seen from that Michigan offense that he's all of a sudden just going to take a massive jump. I think he's going to be all right, but hard to have a lot of confidence there. I'm just going to step in here right now. Is The floor for Michigan's quarterback play is alan bowman so i think and he can't stay healthy just you know so okay fair and alan bowman was i mean also doing it texas tech big 12 going to michigan tougher tougher spot okay not sure uh so it, yeah you know we thought shay patterson was going to come in and just absolutely crush it uh at michigan and, and he was good but but alan bowman is it doesn't have the pedigree that shay, shay patterson did okay Shut you down there. Man. All right. So, well, I'm just, I'm saving. I don't want to argue throughout the whole list here. I'm going to save it yeah. for the end. Yeah. Hey, it's a lot of quarterbacks. Right. So, uh, yeah. All right. So number nine, we've go, we're going to Iowa. It's Spencer, Spencer Petrus. Yep. Uh, what do you think? A very inconsistent year here for, for, for Petrus. He had, um, I, I, but I, I really thought given the talent around him, he probably should have been better. Um, just a 57% completion percentage uh, and just nine touchdowns in eight games. So he kind of did hold him back. Um, and the defense was really good, kind of saved him. But I will say towards the end of the year, he was getting better. Uh, so hopefully that was some signs to to, to come for this following year for Iowa fans. Um, but if, if he was just decent last year, that team could have gone undefeated and you know played in the Big Ten title game because they had a couple of very, very close losses uh, their first two games, and then they won out after that. So... Um, you know, we'll see. I don't think he's great, uh, and I don't think he's going to take some massively, but we've seen steady improvement from Iowa quarterbacks in the past. Okay, number eight going to Rutgers. We have Noah Vedral, the former Nebraska quarterback. Yeah, and former you know, UCF quarterback. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's moved around a little bit. Uh, you know, he may have not necessarily had the best stats this past year, but he was clearly made them a better offense. Um, had a couple of good games in there, and obviously there wasn't a whole bunch of talent for him to work with. Uh, I just, I'm kind of confident with, he's got, he's got a kind of a dual threat, so he can kind of beat you both ways there. And I just think we'll see the offense take a little step forward. Um, and I think he'll be a, a big part of that. I think he's just kind of a solid guy that's, uh, does, plays the system pretty well and plays to his strengths. Okay. Moving on to number seven, Tua's brother, Talia, Talia Tagavaloa from Maryland. Yeah, so he played four games that last really fast. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, he he played four games last year. Two were really good. Two were really bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, he ended up with seven TDs, seven picks. So he was just like complete, you know, 
high and low. Polar opposites. Yeah, exactly. 62% completion percentage. And I do think that, that experience is going to really serve him well last from, um, that he gained from last year. And, you know, I honestly think he will improve quite a bit. Uh, he had like those good moments. I think he's going to be able to at least channel at least more of those. Um, and maybe Maryland as a program will be a little more stable with him kind of being the guy. Uh, cause I think he's got the talent and he's got, a, he's got some running ability to him as well. I think he's a good passer as well. I think, you know, I mean, he doesn't have uh, insane supporting cast, but I think he's going to be pretty solid for him this year. Okay. Uh, number six is Sean Clifford of Penn State. I think Penn State fans might be happy if he, uh, lives up to the number think, six ranking. You know, I, I hear where you're there. Penn State fans are coming from. Uh, I, I, just, I feel like he's, he's been getting a little too much gripe than he probably has deserved in his career. He certainly had his ups and downs. I ain't going to deny that. But if you look at his numbers overall, he hasn't been bad. 41 touchdowns to 16 picks. That's not bad. Um, 60% completion percentage, over eight yards per attempt. So, and he, and he showed he has at least a little bit of wheels. So, you know, it, that doesn't do well with a deep ball. Um, a little bit inconsistent passing, but, you know, he did lead him to an 11 win season a couple years back. And then last year, you know, everything, it was a perfect storm, perfect, terrible storm for, for Penn State as <laughs> yeah. a group last year. So, you know, I think he is a pretty, pretty effective quarterback. Now, is he going to lead them to a Big Ten title and carry them? No, but you got a pretty high floor with Sean Clifford. All right. Moving on to number five, Jeff Brahms boy. Jack Plummer at Purdue. Yeah, yeah. This is uh he's not guaranteed to be to be the guy. You got Aiden O'Connell also kind of waiting in the wings, but I, I feel like Plummer uh will 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 be the guy and yeah, I might have him higher than than some folks, but uh, he was very solid in, in the few appearances we saw from him last year and even the year before where he was kind of forced to play a ton after some injuries. Um he 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 showed some good things. Uh so he, he had good touchdown to interception ratio, good Past few yards per attempt, and I just feel like also under Brom, um, Brom just he seems to always produce good quarterbacks, good QB play, even in tough circumstances where he's losing guys left and right. Um, so I really feel like with the weapons they have a receiver, he's he's got some some decent guys to throw to. Um, I think he's going to have a pretty darn good statistical year. They might not win a bunch of games, but because their defense is terrible, but they'll put up some points. Yeah, it just feels like Purdue's been snake bit the last couple of years just with injuries and yeah. I just need some consistency. I, I could see. I, I like Brom as well, so I could yeah. see Plummer having a big year, whoever starts there. Yeah. Uh, moving on to number four, Adrian Martinez of Nebraska. And Ryan, you, the YouTube viewers, you can't hide because you're wearing a Nebraska shirt yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, and you have, you have Martinez <laughs> pretty high here. What's, what's the deal there? I think this is just more of a, a testament to the weakness of the conference of QBs than it is just Martinez is good. I mean, he's not, he, he's tough to rank. He really is because his best year, of course, was his freshman year. Um, and he had, but that year he had a couple of decent weapons to throw to and a decent, decent running back. So it wasn't all on his shoulders. Last couple of years, totally not the case. Just had nobody to throw to. Arguably the worst receivers in the conference and all line was terrible too. So I, I think he's a pretty decent quarterback that's getting made, that's been uh, made to look a lot worse than he is because of what he's had to do with, deal with them around him. It's just been a, you know, poop show. So to say the least. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Every time I go back oh, and look yeah. at Adrian Martinez's numbers, they're they're not as bad as I remember. Yeah, as, as frustrated, runner, yeah, frustrated really as runner. he is to watch. And this yeah. spring, he does get a lot of yards out of his. And this this spring, he he looked like he looked a little thinner. He looked quicker. 
some uh, so oh, okay. no he really did okay. if you if you watch okay. he, he actually lost some weight and was like okay he kind of looks like the no i did i yeah. go back to his freshman, freshman year age, like, oh yeah. he's you know because he but we'll see once the season gets going things change yeah once they lose a couple <laughs> no all right number three tanner morgan of minnesota mm-hmm. and a couple years ago man people had him near number one and yeah, they did. You can go into what happened to him. Uh, yeah, another guy that kind of regressed, right? Uh, but I think a decent amount of that for, for, for Tanner Morgan, of course, was just contributing to the weapon, weaponry that he didn't quite have. Losing a guy like Tyler Johnson, uh, is a, it's a pretty big deal. And of course, Rashawn Bateman. Yeah. <laughs> just so lose both of those guys. Yeah. And, uh, oof. Yeah, you're definitely not going to have put up the same stats. Um, but he's been there a while. He's been there for three years, 46 touchdowns, 18 picks. Over nine yards per attempt. I mean, that one year was huge. But, you know, he's clearly a solid quarterback. Is he going to be a game changer? No, because he he's, can't really, you know, beat you on the ground that much either. But if he's got a decent team around him, we've obviously seen him be really, really good. So you got a good floor here with Tanner Morgan. You know he's going to be a solid quarterback. Um, so I think Minnesota's got to feel pretty good with him. Okay, number two is uh, Michael Penix from, I have written down here, Minnesota. I don't think that's right. I think he's at Indiana, right? Oh, did I put Minnesota? I, I wrote that. Oh, okay. I wrote that. You didn't write it, so <laughs> no, don't worry. <laughs> I messed yeah. up. Uh, yeah, no. Penix, good one healthy. Good one healthy. Um, 14 picks, or <laughs> 14 touchdowns, four picks last year. Not a super high y- yards per attempt. And, and his completion percentage dropped quite a bit. He was just 56 this past year. So I, I, I've kind of had all my worries about him, but He's a gamer. He's shown in big, big time moments. He's, he's, he's played pretty well. So I think the key for him is just staying healthy. If it, I'm kind of banking on that. If he is healthy, then he's good. He's got dual threat ability. Led his team to a couple of good years. So I'll give him credit for that. Leading Indiana to some couple of bowl games is, uh, pretty darn impressive. So, um, I, I'm giving him credit for, for, for pulling off some wins and even if it's in, uh, some dramatic fashions, some of them. Yeah. All right. So number one. It has to be a Buckeye, yeah. of course. And then we got CJ Stroud. Yep. Yep. He's, uh, he's in a battle. Of course, we're, we're trying to replace Justin Fields here. Kyle McCord also, uh, also there. Uh, I do think Stroud will be the guy. I think he's could end up being the most talented quarterback in the conference. I mean, it's, you know, hey, from the, the group I just mentioned, I ain't saying that much. Um, <laughs> but you know, when you, it's hard to put a guy at number one that hasn't even played a whole bunch, but I mean, He's a highly recruited guy. Great talent. Obviously, the talent around him is better than anybody will have else in the conference. Good coaching. We know the success that multiple Ohio State quarterbacks have had in a row now. So I think it would just be dumb not to put C.J. Stroud number one, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I if, if anyone, you know, we want you to let us know your thoughts in the comments, but... I feel like are we past the the time where where people are making comments like how can you put that guy number one he's never even right. you know thrown a pass in college yeah. football it's just like at Alabama at uh, Ohio State at Clemson it doesn't matter these they just come in the next guy and he's great and under Ryan Day I don't see why we wouldn't expect whoever the quarterback is going to be to look great put up big numbers like yeah. he's got Garrett Wilson and uh, Chris, Olave. Chris Olave to throw to I know that's you know, it's a good Maybe situation the to the country. develop a quarterback. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and if you're going to go that route, it's like, what do you just, you, okay, go ahead and stick him at number 14. But like, if you had to bet, if you had to bet, you had your money on the line, you're going to say that Stroud is like going to be in the top 
and also years. he's was arguably the highest recruited guy. I didn't go through all these the recruiting rankings of all these players, but I mean he was a highly recruited guy. So I just he's got the pedigree, talent. So it's just you know, I mean he's going to put up big numbers. Yeah. Now what I will say. Oh, go ahead, Mike. No, yeah. What's what's your disagreement here, Trey? Well, no, I mean I think that just kind of also speaks to the fact though about we do have a totally unproven guy at number one, not saying he doesn't deserve it. He of course deserves it. And he's the system and talent around him will, will allow him to be number one. But there's just so many other questions with those other guys. Like I, I was just shocked for how good the big 10 has been to have such a kind of a pretty weak slate of, of quarterbacks. I mean, each there's some guys that are like, they're very, they're very average and, and good, but like not a lot of game changers in that list. Um, no, this is this you know, is a when I'm lo- awful list. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, bad. It's, bad. It's, it's pretty dismal. Um, now, as far as like kind of some disagreements, you know, I know Michael. I'm gonna I'm not gonna touch on Michael has some sta- <laughs> something to say about Mertz. The only thing I would say is maybe the McNamara, Allen Bowen, Bowman, Michigan. Um, I think I don't think Bowman's all that bad, even if if he ends up being the guy. Like I could see him kind of more in the middle. I mean, it's not like I'm putting him at number four or anything, yeah. but, uh, but Mertz was surprising to me. Um, but he is, there's, uh, I'll let Michael kind of speak more okay. on Mertz. I think. All right, here we go. <laughs> so that is my biggest disagreement is, is even that pair McNamara and Mertz behind a couple of the guys that they are. Um, so Mertz, I know he struggled last year, but it was his first year starting. Jack Cohn got injured, like not too long, uh, before the season. So freshman thrown in there and they had, you, yeah, you saw the first game was great. Then they had COVID issues, major COVID issues. Receivers were in and out. So he, he did not have his full receiving core the whole year. I just think it was not a great situation for him. He's got the, you talk about pedigree with CJ Stroud. Graham Mertz was a very highly recruited player. So I think with a full off season where he is the starter, um, and there's going to be, I just think Wisconsin, I just kind of write off last year a little bit overall. It just was kind of an off year. I don't know. I, I think just on potential alone, you got to put him ahead. Like Spencer Petrus. What did Spencer Petrus do last year? Like he wasn't good. I mean, maybe he'll improve, but he was bad last year. Like you said yourself, he's holding back the offense. And at least with Mertz, I, I see that potential to explode. I don't see that with a guy like Spencer Petrus. Sorry, Spencer Petrus. But I like saying your name. I think Petrus was better than Mertz last year, and I do think Petrus will improve. It was ba- his first. Barely, maybe. I don't know. I thought it was better, but anyways. Uh, okay. All right. Anyway, sorry. No, you're good. I'm fired up right now. This is or, one where or, I yeah. felt like there was a lot of wiggle room. Uh, you know, I feel like you could really throw away a bunch of these guys. Like, well, they're so close. There's so many of them. It's not well, good. That's they're all I, not great. So uh, there's just no clear tiers. No, to your credit, Ryan. To your credit, I would not, I don't want to rank this conference. Like that, it's like, it's very difficult. (laughs) Yeah. It's a tough list. No, there's after, after, I guess, Penix at two, arguably Morgan, if he has a bounce back, it's, it's a kind of a nightmare, uh, to rank. Total Um, crapshoot. But yeah, I would have had Mertz and McNamara higher. And that's, I could see that. I could see them above Vedril and Petrus or something. I could see that for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, there you have it. There you have it, Big Ten. All right, we have made it to the Pac-12 in our quarterback rankings week. So Trey is on the hot seat today. He's going to project all the starters 
for every school in the Pac-12 and rank them from 12 to 1. Ryan, who is uh, Trey's worst quarterback in the SEC, or in the Pac-12? It is Gunner Cruz. I like the name, uh, but Gunner Cruz from Arizona. Yeah, uh, he isn't even a shoe in for the job, and that's going to be kind of a, a theme in the for the Pac-12 mostly. Uh, he's a Washington State transfer. Uh, he was recruited for the the air raid offense, and he's going to be battling with Will Plummer and then South Florida transfer Jordan McLeod. Um, but Cruz does seem like the front runner going into the fall. He had a solid spring game, and by all accounts, he was kind of the most most accurate of the the group. But Jed Fish has his hands full in trying to get Arizona out of the cellar, and I just had to stick Cruz down here because I don't see them kind of moving the ball enough to 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 have him be more successful and higher on this list. Yeah, I think losing Grant Gunnell to transfer is, is going to hurt Arizona potentially. Number 11, you have from Colorado, Brendan Lewis. Yeah, I mean, Colorado in general last year overachieved, and I just find it very difficult for them to to duplicate or exceed the success that they had in that abbreviated season. And last year's starter, Sam Neuer, he just entered the transfer portal a couple of weeks ago, so Darrell is in some in need of, of someone to step up. It seems like it'll be Lewis, who's a, a freshman. He had a very good performance against Texas, albeit in some kind of some cleanup duty in the Alamo Bowl. But he's a dual threat, solid spring, was an early enrollee last year, so he's had a full year in, in the system. Um, but he's going to be competing with Tennessee transfer JT Shrout. Uh, big arm, more of a pack, pocket passer, though. But just reading through some of the coach quotes, it seems like they want it to be Lewis because of his dual threat ability. But again, I'm not expecting big things from Colorado. Yeah, I think I agree on that one. Uh, all right, move on to uh, number 10 uh, from Stanford. we got Tanner McKee, pretty low for a Stanford quarterback. I, I know, but every year it just seems like they slip and slip uh, with these quarterbacks, and it they're kind of almost hitting the reset button on the quarterback position this year. Um, it looks to be between McKee and then Jack West, and Jack West just never quite lived up to his his hype. Um and it just seems like McKee has the upper hand at this point. Had a had a very good spring game, um, and and but we we've talked about with the quarterback play at Stanford. I'm not super confident in. It's been kind of up and down recently, so I'm not seeing McKee if he is the starter to make this massive jump to the top half of the conference. I mean, hopefully with David Shaw they can do that, but I'm not I'm not banking on it. Yeah, and McKee was he was a. Uh... A big recruit once once upon a time and went on his mission and came back, I think, is the the case with him. But see what happens there. Uh, number nine, you've got Tristan Jebbia at Oregon State. Yeah, I, I placed Jebbia here, um, but I could see him moving up a little bit if the chips fall right uh, for the Beavers. Uh, he started the first four games last year before going down with a hamstring injury. But just watching their games, which I happened to watch a, a decent amount of them, he seemed better than his stats showed. Uh, he really ended up, I guess when you look at the stats, pretty modest numbers, only six and a half yards per attempt and three touchdowns and three picks. But just, I don't know, the poise, the moxie, the way he kind of ran the offense, it seemed like Jonathan Smith really liked him. Um, so I think maybe with the full year, full off season, another year in the system that he could get into this kind of range of the, the nine range. Yeah, he, I, I, I did, I kind of agree. I did kind of like what I saw from him last year. Uh, all right, moving on to uh, number eight. This guy is a little bit of a wild card going into this year uh, yeah. uh, from Washington State, Jaden Delora. He's this is a very tricky one. Um, 
Delora, he flashed some brilliance as a freshman, but then he was suspended from the team because of a DUI. Rolovich recently reinstated him, but he's going to be now in a quarterback battle with Jarrett Garantano, who transferred in from Tennessee. So, you know, he was, Garantano himself was up and down with the balls, but he sets, you know, a decent floor for the quarterback room. Um, but, you know, when you look at Delora, he actually did have his best game of the year was against a pretty good Oregon Duck defense. And he just seems like that's the guy that Coug fans would want. And I think Rolovich wants Delora, maybe the Garantano uh, competition will get the best best of him in the off season because um, he does have more upside. But like you said, Ryan, he he's a wild card. Like he could play anywhere yeah. from like fifth to to twelfth, even better. Yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on to number seven, Chase Garbers at Cal. What are your thoughts on him? He he's got a lot of experience. He's been productive both through the air and the ground. Uh, he has battled some injuries. That's been a bugaboo for him. Um, and, you know, after 2019, I probably would have had him higher in this list, but his production tapered a little bit last year as they, they kind of mystifying, they transitioned to a more old school offense going under center. The long run, it might work and I hope it does, but, and it, so it was kind of rocky in the beginning. The last couple of games, he looked better, four scores, no picks. Um, but just overall in 2020, his, the metrics, the yards per attempt and, and passer rating, they went down uh, in 2020. But if he can kind of build off those last couple games and some of that 2019, um, you know, play, he, he, he's good, but I hope he doesn't get held back by that system. Okay. Uh, moving on here to number six, uh, from UW, Dylan Morris. Yeah, the Huskies offense has been tough to tough to judge. It's left a lot to be desired recently. And Morris himself, you know, I'll say it again, he's in a battle. Uh Colorado State transfer Patrick O'Brien and highly touted Sam Heward is in the quarterback room. But Morris, I, I I'm just kinda leaning with him because he showed some promise. He has some some experience. He led them to the North Division title even though they didn't get to play. And it wasn't always pretty visually or or in the stat sheet, but I'm just kind of anticipating a second year jump if he truly is the guy. Yeah, not bad for a for a freshman season. Uh fifth, we've got Anthony Brown at Oregon uh replacing Tyler Shutt. Yeah, first like when I just kind of think about Anthony Brown, I'm not like super high on him, but the more I think he got some some pretty good experience last year in Joe Moorhead's system, uh you know, where he'd shuffle with with Tyler Shuck. Uh, he, of course, has a lot of Boston College experience under his belt. And the other thing about him is he can move the ball with his legs. Uh, you know, at Boston College, he didn't put up these insane numbers, but he steadily improved kind of each year. And now being a fifth-year guy, I don't think he's going to turn into Vince Young and become maybe, uh, you know, incredible. But second year in Moorhead's system with the talent around him that he can use, I think he could thrive from that, and then they'll be in the mix for a Pac-12 title. Yep. Yeah, for sure. He definitely has some advantages. Uh, all right. Moving on to, uh, number four from Utah. They're probably going to go with the, uh, Baylor transfer, Charlie Brewer. Yeah, that's right. I mean, personally for me, this ranking at number four is more of just a play on how good he can be because of the team he's got in Utah. Um, Charlie Brewer of Baylor last year, he might not be kind of fourth on this list. Um, but it wasn't entirely his fault considering they had lost so much from your magical 2019 run, Ryan, with uh, Matt Rule. 
Um, but he overall, he's been pretty consistent, solid passer ratings, pretty efficient, 65 touchdowns to 28 picks. He has 22 rushing touchdowns, so he's good on the ground. Um, and, and actually, if you read into th- anything into these spring games, he went 15 for 15. Um, yeah. he does have to, to battle Cameron Rising of Texas, uh, the transfer, but he just, poor, the more I think about it, he seems like a good fit for Whittingham and the Utes. Okay. Going to number three, it is Dorian Thompson Robinson, of course, one time, big time recruit from UCLA. Maybe finally showed some promise last year. I think so. I, we've talked a lot on this, this podcast about how we think this will be Chip Kelly's best UCLA team, or at least it should be. Uh, and DTR, he is super athletic, really seemed to take a big step last season, making, uh, second team all pack 12 in his game against Rival SC, he threw for 363, had four touchdowns, kind of looked like one of the best players on the field. He led the Bruins offense to much higher scoring last year. They were a lot more productive and he was efficient. And not to mention he averaged over five and a half yards per carry. He's electric. He's fun to watch. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up even one or two on this list. Yeah. He's each of his three years. He's steadily gotten better. So, uh, no problem with him. Uh, all right. Moving on to number two from, uh, ASU, uh, they're in a little bit of a trouble now, but uh, Jaden Daniels. Yeah, I mean, well, you just prefaced it. That that's the one thing I'm a little worried about is just kind of the the scandal around Arizona State. Um, but at the moment, I'm keeping the blinders on because he is one of the top Pac-12 quarterbacks, one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Uh, in that, they only played four games last year, but he had nine touchdowns, dual threat. Their offense looked otherworldly uh, in their last two games. I know they were playing lowly Arizona and then Oregon State, but he's so efficient. He has a, a 22 to three touchdown to interception ratio in his career. There's just there's a lot to like about this ASU team as well in this upcoming year. If if the dust kind of settles from the controversy or the scandal that's going on, but of course that's a big if. Okay, we are to number one from my USC Trojans. Keaton Slovis. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to kind of have him right at one, maybe I guess two, but he's projected as a top pick in next year's draft. I know that's not what we're building this list off of, but he can make a lot of throws that not a lot of guys can make. Uh, he proved how clutch he could be last year. We saw it in the shortened season. He had late fourth quarter drives to win in three different games, including against rival UCLA, which I mentioned earlier. Um, he was sixth in the country last year, averaging 320 yards per game. He's completed 70% of his passes in his first two years. I mean, I could go on, but I think he clearly deserves number one on based on what he's done. Yeah, yeah, it is It is f- funny how last year was a down year for him, certainly compared to his freshman year. But still, you look at his stats, like, they weren't bad, and he was, I think, dealing with uh, kind of an elbow injury going into the year, but... Fourth quarter, man, he got it done, which and they, somehow, yeah, some way, they very easily could have lost something. three of those games. Like, could have had a losing season. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they were, yeah, they got they got real lucky a couple of them. Okay, so Ryan, what's uh, let's yeah pick apart Trey's list here. What are your kind of overall thoughts, disagreements? Chase Garbers, uh, I don't think he should be that low. I think he should be a little higher. I probably would have had him uh, at least two spots higher uh, ahead of Dylan Morris and Anthony Brown. Um, Garbers, I, I know he didn't have the, the greatest maybe statistical year last year, but um, he has not had much support on that team uh, at all. I mean, their weapons have been, his whole career there has been really bad. So um, for what he's done, uh, what he's accomplished there, I think he's, uh, I think he probably should move up a couple more. 
Yeah, I think three through seven. There's a lot of different orders there that I wouldn't have a huge problem with. Because I'm feeling pretty confident. I hear you about, about Chase Gardner, though. He's third, and you're pretty confident. He's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I think I'll have. I think I'll have a good year. You're yeah. right. Um, but I think Garbers could have a good year too. Like a couple of years ago, we we mentioned he he did he he did it. He was would probably belong you know fourth on this list if he played like that. And yep. especially when you consider the fact that he didn't have much around him even then. Yep. Last year, I think there's a lot of excuses. Kind of the COVID hit Cal hard. Yeah, it um, did. just kind of an awkward season. And of course, you you mentioned transitioning to a new offense. That was not the right off season to be doing that. So. I'm fine with him at seven, but I simultaneously could see him uh, finishing higher. I, I don't really have many problems with your list. Like Anthony Brown, I'm fine with where you have him, though I acknowledge he's got the upside to be one or two. Yeah, on he does. List. Under Joe Moore. I really think so. Wow. I, I, okay, I, I think so, yeah. I, I mean, because I know it's we're supposed to be ranking these guys um, in a vacuum and, and not you know giving them credit for their surrounding pieces, but... It's hard to separate that. And I just think, like I said, I trust Moorhead to develop him. You mentioned he kept getting better and better at Boston College. Yeah. His last year at Boston College, he got hurt, but he was about to have a really yeah, good year there. Yeah, six games. It was, it was good numbers. Yeah. And uh, now with this Oregon offense, great receivers there, I think he could be poised for, for a really big year. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I mean, I'd – it's not that not, I wouldn't necessarily rank him much different than you. Maybe I'd have him a spot higher or something, yeah. but I just see the potential there. I think, um, well, the, what I was going to say, it's kind of funny. You guys really alluded to it because I, I was looking at my list and I thought if there was a guy that I had to go higher with, I would have taken Chase Garbers because I do think he could go. I think seven's as low as he could go. He just kind of fell there, but yep. I do think he could be. Um, if I had to pick a guy that would go higher, it'd be him. And then conversely, if someone had to go lower, I think I would lean to Charlie Brewer. But um, I can see that. But yeah, you guys touched on Chase Garbers. I do think that would be he was about as low as I could have possibly put him. Yeah, agreed. All right, I am going to rank the projected starting quarterbacks in the SEC this episode. A very scary task. Let's uh, let's start with my list, Ryan. Team me up on on my own list here. All right, you got it. Number fourteen, dead last in the SEC. When you hate this guy, he's terrible. Uh, Luke Doty from South Carolina. Wow, they're putting words in my mouth majorly there. Oh, sorry, uh, that's what you said before pod. So. <laughs> I never saw that. <laughs> uh, he got his feet wet last year as a, as a true freshman, but I, I don't think expectations, obviously, with my ranking here, should be super high for him. A whole new staff, not much proven talent around him, um, but eventually I could see Doty being good. Like He was a big recruit, uh, dual threat. Like I think there's the potential there, so me putting him 14th is not saying he sucks. It's just early in his career and you know track record lately with south carolina of quarterbacks hasn't been great so i just need to see it first all right moving on to number 13 the transfer will levis for kentucky yeah coming in from from penn state but it's a a wide open competition like i i don't have a super high confidence predicting anybody here but joey gatewood of course is in the running uh the youngest option bo allen is there Kentucky is likely to pass a lot more this year. They brought in Liam Cohen from the Rams, so going to be trying to get some of that uh, magic from uh, Sean, Sean McVay. Um, but none of these guys are proven passers, uh, so it's really hard to put whoever the Kentucky's quarterback is much higher than this. I'm, I'm confident that, you know, if, especially if it's Gatewood or Levis, that they'll be able to run the ball, but 
not sure about the passing game yet. So just yeah. unproven. Yeah, it's a tough spot for them. Uh, all right, moving on to number 12 here. Hey, pretty good for Vandy. Ken Seals. Yeah, I mean, when, when you look at his stats from, from last year, you've got to make some major adjustments. First of all, for the fact that he was a true freshman in a COVID offseason. So that's a tough spot to be thrown into. Uh, secondly, that he is surrounded by the talent that Vanderbilt has, which is not as good as the talent that most schools in the SEC have. Um, going up against, uh, yeah, those SEC defenses. So with that in mind, I think he did pretty well. 65% completions, 12 touchdowns, 10 picks. Not terrible, all things considered. If he takes a step forward going into a sophomore year, which I would expect, you know, I think he'll be decent. Okay. Moving on to number 11. Wouldn't have thought this a couple years ago. Bo Nix of Auburn. Yeah, this one might be controversial. Uh, I saw Lindy's preview magazine has him in their top 25 nationally. Wow. Uh, Aslan wow. has the Auburn quarterback room ranked seventh in the SEC. They did bring in TJ Finley as well. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I just, I don't see it right now. Auburn was 12th in the SEC in passing success rate last year. Nick's has been under seven yards per attempt, under 60% completions in each of his first two seasons. He can make plays with his legs, which helps, which, um, gives him the, the potential to be really good. And he was a five star so that the pedigree is there, but I've seen two full seasons now. And based on the production so far, Sure, I could see you putting a f- him a few slots higher, but I don't think 11th is unreasonable. Maybe Brian Harson will be able to get more out of him. He's generally done pretty well with quarterbacks, but I don't yeah. know, for now, no, I'm fine I'm, with 11th. I don't think it's unreasonable. Uh, I don't. Uh, all right, here. We're going on to uh, number 10 uh, from Missouri, uh, Connor Basilic, another young, young, young guy. Yeah, he was a, a redshirt freshman last year with a new staff. Eli Drinkwitz coming in, so... It was hard to expect uh, a whole lot in those circumstances, but he was fine. Uh, they went to the, the run game near the goal line, so his touchdown numbers certainly weren't gaudy, but 67% completions, 7.3 yards per pass attempt, not bad. He he certainly has an argument to be a couple slots higher, but you'll see I, I, I'm projecting some improvement from some other guys even more so than him. Yeah, but I thought he looked good uh, at yeah. quite a bit last year. Number nine... KJ Jefferson of Arkansas. Yes, so he is a, a former four-star recruit, dual threat. Um, as a red, redshirt freshman last year, played a little bit, but still very unproven as as a passer. That's for sure. Um, but I, the reason I have him this high is mostly just a bet on Kendall Bryles. He's a great offensive coordinator. He's done a really good job with quarterbacks. So, you know, fans behind him are saying, "What is?" KJ Jefferson proven nothing really, but I'm just yeah. I'm banking on the coaching there and the and the talent. Yeah, I mean he did a great job with Felipe Franks uh, last year, so uh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, all right, moving on to number eight, guy that's probably going to have to take a jump. Uh, Mississippi State, you got Will Rogers. Yeah, he wasn't wasn't horrible as a true freshman last year, so you would think with a full off season for Mike Leach to install his offense. Um, you think he would, he would make that, that big jump. Jack Abraham is also there, so he's kind of the floor, uh, for the quarterback play for Mississippi State. He's coming in from Southern Miss. He's good. It's just ball security is a huge issue, yeah. which is very important if you're a quarterback. He throws way too many picks, <laughs> and that's been pretty consistent. Um, so that's kind of his one bugaboo, but overall he's, he's not terrible either. All right. Moving on to Kellen Mond's replacement. 
at Texas A&M. We've got Haynes King. Yeah, he was a, a big recruit last year. Um, and he's the favorite uh, over Zach Calzada, who's a year older than him. And putting Haynes King this high is just, again, another bet on coaching. The fact that, and, and on King's pedigree, but Jimbo Fisher has generally done a pretty good job with quarterbacks. I don't say really good because, you know, since Jameis Winston, he hasn't had that electric star, but they're always usually solid. Like he did with Kellen Mond. He did a solid job. He with, improved with him Mond, a lot. So I, I see the same thing happening with King. Yeah, I can see that for sure with all the talent that's there too. Um, all right, moving on to number six and uh, a transfer uh, at Tennessee. This is pretty high. Uh, Hendon Hooker. Okay, Hendon Hooker has been good. Like, you go back and look what he did on the ground and through the air at Virginia Tech. He's efficient. He's good. Uh, so I like him. This is a crowded battle, though. There's Harrison Bailey, I think, is right there, neck and neck with him. As a freshman last year, Harrison Bailey, who was a big recruit, played reasonably well when he when he came in, especially for, for being a freshman. There's also Brian Maurer, Joe Milton transferring in from Michigan, Caden Salter, a, a true freshman. So it's Aren't you going to transfer there, too? What's that? Aren't you going to transfer there too? Uh, no, because I st- don't stand a chance against the great quarterback Hendon Hooker. Uh, <laughs> I just, you know, I, I'm predicting Hooker because I, I love what I saw from him at Virginia Tech. I don't know. I just, the proof is in the pudding there. And with Josh Heupel, I trust him to develop, you know, pretty good quarterback play. That part is true. All right, moving on to another coach that can do pretty well with quarterbacks, Florida Gators, Emery Jones. Yeah, uh, this is, I, this is becoming a theme here. This is a bet, another bet on coaching, but, uh, I trust Dan's, Dan Mullen's coaching more so than all the guys below him. Um, he's, so Emory Jones is in his fourth year with the program at Florida. He's proven to be a very good runner. We know that is, is going to be a huge weapon for him. Not proven as a passer, but I just trust Dan Mullen. He got, you know, a ton out of Kyle Trask, who was not highly touted at all. Emory Jones is highly touted. He's got a lot of raw talent. Um, I think he's a dark horse Heisman candidate if if everything works out for him. So um, I I, th- I have his his floor though. The reason he's not higher than this is that the floor is pretty low there, just because we don't know how he is as a passer. Yeah, yeah. He he, he could definitely one's probably the biggest uh, wild card in this one for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, here, let's move on to number four. Uh, guy, another guy here that has a, I think has a pretty high ceiling, uh, Miles Brennan from LSU. Yeah, and, uh, he is of course far from a guarantee to be the starter for LSU. Max Johnson, the younger op- option is actually reportedly has a leg up in this race, so maybe I'm just, uh, I don't know, clinging to how well I thought Miles Brennan played at the beginning of last year, though Max Johnson came in and, and played pretty well himself. Um, but anyway, whoever it is, I think they're going to get really good quarterback play because I know the floor of quarterback play is what Brennan did in those first few games, and and he played well. Other than you know a couple picks in that that first game against Mississippi State, he had some really good stats. So I think you talk about high ceiling. I don't think the ceiling is as high as say like an Emory Jones, but I think the floor is much much higher. Fair. That's totally fair. All right. Now we're getting to the kind of the cream of the crop here. Number three, you got JT Daniels of Georgia. 
Yeah, he's a tough one. He played really well uh, to end the season last year. He had a favorable schedule, and you know, even going up against Cincinnati, they had some of their best players out. So that's something to consider. But still, I mean, he did what you're supposed to do and, and put up some big numbers. Now he's got a full off season to be the starter and to learn Munkin's offense, Munkin to be able to fully implement it. So he should have a big year. I. I'm having to adjust my expectations for JT Daniels because after that freshman season at USC, um, I know it was a tough situation. He was a true freshman, but just was not very impressive that year. Didn't seem to get much better as the season went on. But I mean, I, I think I've recalibrated it after, after watching Daniels last year, having him third, um, in a conference with some, some great quarterbacks, I think is a testament to that. Yep. I agree. Uh, all right. Moving on to number two. Uh, Bryce Young of Alabama. Yep. And, uh, you know, maybe there'll be some complaints, maybe say from the Georgia fans that Bryce Young has not played very much, hasn't proven it as much as JT Daniels has. And that's true, but this is just a bet on the Alabama machine. They have churned out Tua and then Mac Jones back to back. And Bryce Young was the number two overall recruit. So he was uh, a huge recruit a couple years ago. I would expect him to be great. Maybe he'll make some freshman mistakes a la Spencer Rattler like he did at the beginning of of last year, and that would open the door for JT Daniels to be ahead of him. But I don't know. There's just some crazy talent both on the team and within him. He's a super, super talented quarterback. So yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's great from from day one. Hard to bet against him. And that leads us to number one, Lane's Ole Miss, Matt Corral. Yeah, I mean, 71% completions last year, 10.2 yards per pass attempt. Also had 500 yards rushing. I feel like that's an underrated aspect of his game. And that was just year one under Lane Kiffin, like we always say, in a COVID offseason to, to, for him to implement his system. So the only concern is for me is that he had a couple blow-up games um, where he threw a ton of interceptions. So he needs to avoid that. Um, if he can make, instead of two blow up games where he's throwing like four or five picks, just make it one. And then that might be good enough to be the, the best quarterback in the SEC. So, um, yeah, I, I just think with Lane Kiffin and that offense, he's going to have another monster year. I would agree with that. I mean, when I, when I look at the overall, overall list, I think that that quarterback battle at LSU is, is, fascinating um but the thing that i was surprised about with that battle is that you had the lsu quarterbacks ahead of emory jones at florida um i just i you know i i kind of think like lsu could if they play the reason i was kind of keen on lsu and florida is there is because i i believe that that mullen can get a lot out of the florida quarterbacks you did with felipe franks you just mentioned of course um kyle trask but like LSU, if that position plays like the seventh or eighth best in the SEC, then all of a sudden, Coach O and, and LSU are—it's a little warmer seat there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that's Emory Jones was was such a tough one because, like I said, I think I'd be more likely to bet Emory Jones to win the Heisman than I would, you know, Max Johnson or or Miles Brennan, um, just because that, like I said, that upside is just limitless. Not that there's a super capped upside with the LSU guys, but uh, just with the running ability. Yeah. I don't know. I, maybe I'm too low on Emory Jones, but no. I yeah. I kind of agree with that for sure. Uh, I'd probably slide, slide uh, him a little higher. I'm confident in that. Um, the other one I, I might put, 
I'm not sure I'd have Matt Corral number one. I know he's, I had a really good, really good year, but we also saw some couple insanely high interception games from him. And he's going to lose his best receiver, uh, Elijah Moore, by far his best receiver might hurt. So not sure I'd put him at one. Okay. And then All right, so you you'd know, probably have, would you have Bryce Young slotted up there or? I have Bryce JT. Young number one. Okay. Probably, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's so close. I mean, I, I'm splitting hairs here. I think you had a good list, but you know, uh, I had to try to give you some grief. Well, no, but to add to that, like one through three, I, I totally agree with, especially in terms of kind of pure production, but I'm very fascinated, fascinated to see how they end up playing out because like, I wouldn't be surprised if JT Daniels kind of, he plays like top three or maybe even plays like seven or eight. Uh, cause I, I'm on board with him, but he's a little bit of a wild card because of what you mentioned. They, he had somewhat of an easier slate, but, uh, but I, I do, I'm a believer in him, but he is a bit of a wild card. All right. In this episode, we are going to give, well, Ryan is actually is going to give his top 12 G5 and independent quarterbacks. We've gone through all of the power five conferences already. So be sure to subscribe to our channel, go back and, and watch the episodes that we've already released this week. Uh, but Ryan, or actually Trey, T Ryan up with his yeah, thank you. worst yeah. quarterback. Well, actually, not his worst quarterback. His twelfth best quarterback of Still the really G five and independence. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I'm gonna go with Holden Ailers of East Carolina coming in at number twelve. Yes, Holden Ailers. Uh, I, so this is a guy who's had a, a really nice career. Um, uh, despite not much talent around him. Um, his, he vastly improved as a passer throughout his three years there. His first year completed just 48% of his passes. Um, I was a freshman, pretty, pretty horrible. Got that up to 61% last year as a junior. Um, two to one touchdown to interception ratio. He can run a little bit. Um, and again, he's just been on a team that's been bad. I, they haven't had a, uh, even a 500 year with him there, which I'm not blaming him at all because he's been kind of balling out compared to what he's got around him. So, I think he, if you put him with, uh, you know, some, some better group of, uh, players around him, he would be awesome. And so I don't think, uh, he gets enough credit nationally. Okay. Number 11, you had Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Yeah. He, a former transfer from UW and, uh, had a, had a good year, uh, there in Fresno. 14 touchdowns to just five picks. Kind of a bounce back year for Fresno. I mean, they weren't great, but, um, it was, it was some solid play there from him. 65% completion percentage and he actually had a large, uh, pretty high yards per attempt. So, um, you know, I think with Kalen DeBoer, I'm also confident their, their head coach there that going into their second year together, um, he's going to have an even better, uh, 2021. So good year last year, banking on an even a little bit more of a jump for Jake Hayner coming into year number two for him. Makes sense to me. All right, we're going with uh, another transfer, Wisconsin transfer, Jack Cohn to Notre Dame at number 10. Yeah, this is a very hard one to rank uh, within the – because he's a transfer and then also going to Notre Dame and mixing him up with the G5, essentially. So that, this is a tough one. And uh, But putting him at 10, I mean, he obviously had a, a pretty good year a couple years back when he was healthy there. Uh, he had a good year for Wisconsin. Now – as is the case with, uh, you know, in kind of the past with Wisconsin is how much of it is really him. He was kind of more game manager, didn't have huge explosive plays, had a couple, had a good receiver actually, but, you know, Jonathan Taylor on the ground game was just dominating, dominating. So essentially it's like, okay, just don't screw up, uh, Jack Cohn, but he, he did. He was good. He was solid. Um, I'll give him credit because then you see, uh, Graham Mertz this past year for Wisconsin really, really struggled. So 
Um, I still think he's really good. Now, do I think he's better than some of these guys in front of him? Maybe not quite so much, and it might be uh, a little bit tougher for him with all the the the, the you know first year at Notre Dame, and then of course they have a lot to replace. But um, Tenton's still still pretty good, and I think he's solid game winning game manager type quarterback. Okay, number nine is guy who had a big year last year, Caleb Ellaby from Western Michigan. Yeah, his numbers were were incredible last yeah. year. One of the most efficient seasons of all time, if you just look at a uh, passing efficiency, top ten of all time actually. So uh, he averaged over eleven yards per attempt. I mean, that's like Alabama good. Like yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's crazy. He was, it was amazing. Yeah. Not against an Alabama schedule, but no, still. no, not quite. Uh, <laughs> in six games, he had 18 touchdowns. So, you know, just statistically speaking, he should probably be higher on this list. Um, but as Michael said, it was just six games. It was not the strongest schedule in the world. Um, and it was his first year as a starter. Um, so I, I feel like I need to see more of him. I don't think he can replicate what he, those numbers were last year, but if he can get close to it, then he actually probably move up on this list. Because those numbers were insanely good, so um, we'll see. Though I mean, an incredible start for him, though. Yes, it was. All right, N- number eight, Louisiana's Levi Lewis. Yeah, uh, Levi Lewis been around for a little while now. Um, numbers dropped a little bit uh, this past year, although he was still he was still very good. Um, he's a good runner, especially when he needs to be. Um, he's smart with the ball. He's a proven winner. Uh, he's, Louisiana is twenty one and four past couple years uh, with him being the guy um you know so i think he's played a large role in that obviously they've had some good pieces around him but you got a quarterback that's dual thread solid passer takes care of the ball i mean it's winning it's winning qb play so uh, i gotta give him a lot of credit for what he's done okay number seven is playing for the best g5 team at least expected to be coming into the year cincinnati desmond ritter yeah, this is kind of what we're getting into here. I think maybe Trey was mentioning this in the previous episode, or maybe it was off pod. I can't remember. We're, we're doing a lot here. <laughs> We've together. recorded a lot of episodes. <laughs> a lot of episodes here. Trey was saying we're trying not to rank the best teams here. We're just trying to, you know, like don't we're trying to rank the best QBs, right? So it's you got to try to gauge that. Um, and and Ritter, he definitely improved his passer last year, increased his completion percentage by more than ten percent, which staggering amount for from one year to one year. Um, you know, I wouldn't call him an elite passer by any means, but combine his good passing now with the, what he does on his, with his legs. Uh, and he's one heck of a college quarterback. He had a, he had a really good year last year, was very smart with the ball, um, and, and put up Cincinnati in a lot of good places to win. So, uh, I can't put him, I probably wouldn't be able to put him, uh, much lower on this list, but also I just don't think he has, uh, maybe the, the, uh, consistency through the air to put him much higher on this list. Yep. Number six uh, is a quarterback I've kind of liked over the last couple of years, Lane Hatcher at Arkansas State. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas State's kind of had that 2QB system, uh, and I think a lot of folks, including probably the two bros with me here, are, probably thought this guy should just should have just been handed the keys. Um, I mean, Logan Bonner was there, and he was he was good, but this guy was better. Uh, statistically, he was just had, had a better year, and now Logan Bonner transferred to Utah State, so it is Lane's job. Um, you know, in the past couple of years, he was a freshman and a sophomore and he had really good numbers. So if he improves even just a little bit, um, he's going to be one of the best in the country. And, you know, surprisingly the Arkansas state wasn't all that great. They didn't quite put together the best year last year, but, uh, it wasn't this kid's fault. This kid's been, been really good. I think he's going to have a huge, huge year for them. 
Okay, fifth is Carson Strong from Nevada. He's been getting some NFL draft buzz. I know that's not what this list is about, but hard yeah. to ignore. It's it's part of it because he's been good. Uh, he's got the size, like 6'4", I think 215. So he's got the prototypical size. He's got the arm. Um, great sophomore year. And he was, you know, so he's got a lot of room to grow. So he was just sophomore. He completed 70% of his passes. Tough to do. 27 TDs to just four picks. And led Nevada to their, their best year since the 2010 Colin Kaepernick year. So uh, it was a great kind of a reprogram revival i guess for nevada and he was the one the arguably the main reason why i uh, just great great year and i think he's going to have an even better year this year i can already see nfl draft twitter talking about his strong arm and it's going to be very annoying oh boy, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. boy. all right mm-hmm. <laughs> number four <laughs> dylan gabriel of ucf yeah this is um you know, I think maybe some folks might have uh, have put him higher uh, in their G5 list than fourth. Um, he has been great the last two years. 61 TDs to 11 picks, um, nine yards per attempt, 10 wins a couple years ago um, when he was a true freshman, mind you. But then six and four this past year. And, you know, there was definitely some extenuating circumstances there with a lot of sit-outs that UCF had. Um, you know, there's no doubt he's been great. He's been awesome. Um, I just... I don't feel like maybe he has quite the uh, type ceiling that some of the guys in front of him have because he doesn't have the great mobility. Um, he's been a great passer, um, maybe not the strongest arm in the world, uh, but I just don't think he hit with the, the limit on the ground. With You'll see the guys in front of him do <laughs> have been pretty good on the ground. So just he's really good, and I could totally understand putting him higher, but for me, uh, I'm just I'm not there with it. So I'm, I'm, putting, I'm comfortable with having him at four. All right, well, we get to the the dual threats then here in the top three. You got number three, Dustin Crum from Kent State. This guy is so underrated. So oh. not not on your list, but nationally, yeah, right? Nationally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hard to be underrated with the three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he is. Uh, pass efficiency speaking, he had the ninth best year of all time last year. Um, it just insane, uh, insane numbers. Um, you know, I know it's only four games, so <laughs> doesn't really. Yeah. <laughs> and against a very easy match. Yeah, it was very, and I think like Akron was one of them, and then I think another <laughs> boat team was one. But hey, you know what? He was awesome even the year before that. Yeah, so that's kind of the thing. It wasn't just basing this off 2020. 2019 was included. Um, he, he, you know, on top of what he does through the air, which is awesome, um, he adds about 60 yards per ground in the yards per game on the ground. So he's, he's a dual threat. Um, and he, he was, you know, Kent State was terrible for about a decade here. And this kid's come in and done a great job kind of turning them around and making them competitive. Uh, so he, he's been awesome. If you haven't seen him play, I highly encourage you to make sure you watch some action games, uh, during the middle of the week this year because this guy is must watch. Yeah. He's a stud. Um, now another, a, an Auburn transfer to Liberty had a great year last year, Malik Willis. Yeah, uh, what an electric year he had. Uh, capped it off with a thrilling three-point victory over Coastal Carolina. Oof. So just kind of wow, that was that was pretty pretty amazing. Thirty-four total touchdowns, nearly a thousand yards rushing, eight and a half yards per pass attempt to just six picks. I mean, he carried them. He was just so good, uh, just an electric player, uh, just just a total playmaker, right? I mean, he was so hard to defend. Um, so I mean. I, I've, I, I'm would interested to see like if they just had a, his win above replacement. I think would just had to have been great because I just thought he was he carried that group. So I, I have no problem putting him at two. 
Okay. Number one from our coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Yes. Grayson McCall. He was unreal. He was just unreal. He carried them at 26 TDs to just three picks, 69% completion percentage. Nice. Um, over 10 yards per pass attempt. And he, and he's a dual threat. He had over 500 yards rushing as well. So he's pinpoint accuracy, uh, just a gamer. He's tough as nails. It was, I mean, he was, he was, the 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 image or the the face of that magical season and just because of his magical play like it was so fun he wasn't like even before the year obviously nobody really knew him like we didn't even know if he was gonna be the starter um but just to come onto the scene like he did incredible i think he's the most efficient quarterback there is and he can do it all i think he was uh you know he's definitely in my we're gonna do a top 15 list of national this kid's gonna be way up in there for me too so i'm high really high on grace mccall yeah, hard to blame you. If he if he is able to repeat, he doesn't have to improve. No, he just has to yeah. repeat or get close to what he did last year. Then your number one ranking here is is not going to look bad at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll give our thoughts now, Trey and I, on on your list here. I actually made my own G five rankings before I saw your list, and it is eerily similar to what you have here. Like the uh, the top ten were I think like pretty much all the same guys. The only difference that I I recall was Grant Gannell, who is a transfer from Arizona to Memphis. Not even sure if he's going to be the starter at Memphis, but given the kind of lack of talent surrounding him at Arizona, I thought he played pretty well. I think he's a good quarterback. Um, so yeah, put him in that Memphis system, and if he's the starter, I feel like he could uh, get into this top ten. Um, other than that, I don't have a problem. Like I know Dylan Gabriel is maybe the controversial one, having him fourth. I agonized where to put him. I like at some. I would have him slotted one, and then I'd slot him three. It's just so, so many, those maybe three I would guys in front third, of him are so good. It's like it's hard to, you know, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. So I don't have a problem it is, with it. It is very hard, and this is a very tough list to make. Uh, I really like Caleb Ellaby of Western Michigan. I know he loses Eskridge, uh, you know, but I could see him kind of competing with Crum as one of the top the top quarterback in the MAC. Uh, the other thing is McCall. I. I don't disagree with number one. I, I'm just really curious as a fan to see how teams attack him in year two with some tape on him and on their offense yeah. and with a couple pieces that they, they lose, but he, he's, he's deserving of his ranking. It'll just be interesting to watch. Yeah. And some honorable mentions I had, uh, Nick Starkle, San Jose State, as, as when I, well when I made the top 12, year. I forgot to do Notre Dame. In there, and he was my twelfth, and then and then I remember right, Notre Dame. Right. I'm like, uh, <laughs> sorry, Starkle. <laughs> yeah, we always forget Notre Dame in this. Uh, yep. You know, they don't yeah. feel like they should slot in with these schools. But uh, Drew Plitt at Ball State as well. Yeah, I, I also had a couple more. Uh, Hank Bachmeyer, Boise's could be have a pretty good year depending on that. And Michael Pratt, the Tulane quarterback, he had a pretty good first year there. Um, and then Gunnar Watson from Troy. It's it's tough. There was there was other great quarterbacks I'm not even mentioning that had really good years. So one guy that is interesting to me, I, I wouldn't have put him in the list, but uh, well, whoever's the starter at BYU because they've got, um, well, Jaron Hall I think is a slight favorite there. Um, they also have is Romney still there. Gunnar Romney, yeah, he's he's the other guy in the battle. There might be someone I'm not thinking of, but I think those are the two main ones. But they both they both played like a little bit, not. Especially a couple years ago when they were kind of cycling through quarterbacks yeah, when Wilson was Romney injured. really did. Yeah, Romney played well, and I remember Jaron Hall had a good game, so wouldn't surprise me if they, one of those guys yeah. is 
up in this list. Got but, a good tight end to throw to. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, that'll do it for our G5 and Independence episode. Okay, so we have now gone through every conference plus the G5 and Independence. That was seamlessly edited. You would, you're not even noticing that this is a different Michael Newman <laughs> talking. Um, but anyway, which Power 5 conference has the best quarterbacks? It's a good question. And for me, it was down to two, two conferences, the ACC and the SEC. 100%. Um, yeah, it, it seems pretty obvious that those are the two. And ultimately, I went with the SEC. I, I really do. I think the top of that conference, it's, de- it's really deep too, but the top, you got really good. If Emory Jones is your fifth, uh, ranked in that conference, like, like you said, he, he could win the Heisman. Like he, he's, it's not insane to say that. Like he mm-hmm. could have a huge year there. Like, so, um, but even the, if you go further down the list, you got guys that have a lot of potential. So, uh, and, and have proven to be pretty solid. Um, so SEC for me, number one. Yeah. I really struggled between those two. Um, yeah, the top five, I think of the SEC is, is the best. Um, and yeah, even going down to like Connor Basilak at 10, he's pretty yeah. solid. So, yeah. um, ACC, I felt like is maybe a little bit. Their, their top is maybe slightly deep, deeper because they've got Sam Hartman, Mackenzie Milton, seven, eight. So they go down maybe a little yeah. bit further than the SEC, arguably. But, uh, even Jeff Sims at 12, like he's got the talent. Like if he puts it mm-hmm. together, I would be a big improvement, but he could, he could be a good quarterback. I don't know. I honestly, I need more time. I don't know who's better. <laughs> I, I, this is such a weird I need answer. to watch the season go. No, I'm, I'll say, I'll say the SEC. I'll say the SEC, but just cause, uh, I think that top five is, is tough to beat and it's, it carries them over the top. Yeah. I, I 100% echo exactly what you guys have said. I will say, um, you know, the Big 12 actually is kind of sneaky good in my opinion. There is some, yeah, some solid depth, solid depth. We know about Rattler and Purdy, of course, but then like the three through six, seven, like, Duggan, the Texas quarterback, if it's Thompson, Spencer Sanders, Daigie, Skylar Thompson, like, and then you got good transfers, like, uh, Tyler Shuck is to Texas Tech, so they're, I'm not saying they're the, the top one, but they're, they're sneaky good. Yeah, they're probably the third. I have them third. I would yeah. have them third. Yeah. Um, wait, did you choose between the ACC and SEC trade? Oh, if I had to, wow. I think just because of... Did you answer the question? Yeah. I, well, yeah, I know. Sorry. I was... You guys... What you guys said was exactly what I was thinking. Um, so I think I did lean more towards the ACC this year um, just because of... I liked when you when we get to seven and eight, you've got some really good... Not that the SEC didn't, but the ACC, I really liked the, the consistency and the, the depth, especially in that top kind of two-thirds. Yeah. I mean... Like looking at, let's just put names to it. Six, seven in the SEC was, or let's go seven, eight. Seven, eight was Haynes King, Will Rogers. Yeah. When you compare that to Sam Hartman, Mackenzie, Mackenzie Milton, Milton, I, I, I like, I like the ACC better there. So yeah, it, it kind of narrows the gap. It's, I mean, that is again, splitting hairs, but all right. How about the worst quarterbacks? I don't think this is splitting hairs, but no, this one's even not even, this is a no brainer. Yeah. Big 10. Not even close. Yeah. It's like you struggle with who to put in. Like I, you know, I put Martinez fourth, and I'm like, really? Am I really going to do that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've been, you know, 
talking crap about him for two years now. <laughs> but so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just super weak. A bunch of unproven and not, you know, not performing well quarterbacks. It's, it's, uh, you know, guys like Tanner Morgan, we've seen do well. Guys like Adrian Martinez, we have seen do well, but not lately. <laughs> no. Um, okay. I, yeah, I agree with the Big Ten. It's the worst. Yeah. Um, Pac-12 is, is in the discussion, but, you know, we had mentioned Chase Garber's down at seven, I think is solid. Um, it's better. It's better than the, it the is. Big Ten, it's better. But it it's, is. I Charlie Brewer, DTR, Jane Daniels, Team Slovis, those are good quarterbacks right there. So, yeah, when I think I even mentioned it on the Big Ten episode, how, you know, it's, it's, we've got a guy that we have no idea how good he's going to be as the man at number one, which he deserved at, you know, CJ Stroud at Ohio State. Of course, he probably deserves it because Ohio State's a juggernaut, they're a machine, they're always productive. But like, when you look at it, the other top guys, like kind of two, through five that we just kind of listed they wouldn't be on two through five like of any other conference really no. um so it's just like everyone they have their flaws um it's, yeah i mean Penix and morgan number two and three and martinez four. yeah they, they like you said they wouldn't be that number in other conferences for sure where yeah let's take that actually so take take uh adrian martinez at oh, four where would you put him in the uh, SEC? Oh, God. All right. SEC, yeah. Adrian Martinez is going, I would yeah, maybe 11th behind Connor Bazelak or... Somewhere in there. Somewhere, yeah. yeah. Maybe 9th behind Will Rogers. I don't know. Yeah, or, it's kind of similar with the ACC, too. I mean, maybe behind Bryce Young at Alabama. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a... T- but that, again... We we would have them in the bottom bottom four bottom, bottom. third ish, so Yeah. Who knows? Okay. Maybe they'll prove us wrong this year. Maybe the Big Ten QBs will Well have there's gonna back. be there Got there are gonna be a though. couple guys, obviously, in the Big Ten that will outperform, but uh but I don't yeah. think it's gonna be anything earth shattering. Some of them somebody's gotta pan out to be pretty good. <laughs> and obviously we're not including we were just talking about power five conferences here. Uh we're not including the uh the put together G five independent group. That is a Great. That's a really good group. That's a great list. Yeah. That's, that'd be the best one. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, with the depth there. Um, okay. That'll do it for our quarterback rankings episode. I hope the podcast turns out well. It, you, <laughs> this has been quite a night. It is one in the morning for us right now. Yeah. We have had technical issue after technical issue. We were supposed to start at like 830. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it got really messed up. My microphone, if you watched on YouTube, our episodes this week stopped working, so I had to use a different microphone. Ryan is at our parents' house with a luxurious den behind Yeah, him. wow. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it's just rich mahogany. Rich mahogany. <laughs> Ah, but it is time. It's time for you fellas to go to bed. It's time for me to do some editing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget a coat, um, Mike. Yeah, I'll have I'll have some. Oh, I'll have. <laughs> might, you might be hooking coke. me up for yeah. that one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you like the podcast, if you appreciate the work we're doing. Support us on Patreon. That is a good way to support us. Um, we're uh, hopefully going to have some. We're going to have some good offers there. Some good. Uh, bonus content you already got tons of backlog episodes there so we'd appreciate your support there and a lot and of them are still always relevant because they're kind of like yeah i would and, say like 70 percent of our of our patreon episodes over the past year 
are still listenable, still, still good. Yep. So, uh, you got some episodes there. And guys, I'm very tired right now. Does anyone, anyone have anything else to say? Any other announcements here? Just sleepwalking. No. Okay. All right. If you're listening to think... this, thanks for sticking with us. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. This is our worst ending ever, but we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com slash thisishome today.